This episode of the Golf.com podcast is brought to you by the USGA. With the Masters in the rearview mirror, the next major on the PGA Tour docket is the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills in Wisconsin. For more information on the event, visit usopen.com. MIT does a yearly sports analytics conference, and I was on the golf panel. The night before the event, they do a meet and greet and happy hour. And so over there, I met Daryl Morey, who's the general manager for the Houston Rockets. I listened to a podcast that he did where he said, baseball's a 10 in terms of data analytics. Basketball's a 7. I was chatting with him and I was like, where do you think golf falls on that 1 to 10 scale? And eventually he was like, you know, I think it's an 11. The reason he said that was because in golf, every shot is isolated and discrete. You can literally calculate the value of every shot you take. And that's the beauty of golf. That is the beauty of golf. Welcome to the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zock. The man you just heard speaking is Sal Syed. And on today's episode, we're going to delve into his story and the story of his company, Arcos. Arcos is a golf performance tracker working to realize the capabilities of golf being an 11 on the 1 to 10 analytics scale. You may have heard of Arcos. As a company, it is just a few years old now, and its core product is already in its second iteration. The company is steadfastly growing, and it's trying to revolutionize the way golf is played, managed, and recorded. Think about your own golf game for a moment. How do you keep score? How do amateurs like yourself, like myself, like the tens of millions like us, keep track of our performance? Typically, we use these tiny two-inch pencils to scratch out numbers, in little boxes on rectangular pieces of paper. Maybe, if you're avid about plotting your round, you'll mark a dot on the scorecard for every tee shot that finishes in the fairway, and you'll jot down one more digit pertaining to the number of putts you took once you reach the green. When you really look at it, golf performance for many of us is tracked in the most arcane of fashions, and that is exactly why Arcos exists. Golf, Arcos believes, can be charted, analyzed, fragmented, and all for the betterment of the everyday golfer, not just the professionals. You see, professionals have been doing this for years. Knowing exactly how far they hit their 7-iron, even to the half-yard, is necessary. But it goes much further than that. Pros and their caddies need to know how often that 7-iron misses the green, or how close that 7-iron gets to the hole on average, and how many times they convert par from that distance. This should come as no surprise that Pros tend to dial in their game to the most infinitesimal values. The most recent example is world number one, Dustin Johnson, one of the game's greatest talents and longest hitters, who committed to dialing in his wedge game from 75 to 125 yards. It led to his first major victory. A birdie at 18. Dustin Johnson will win the U.S. Open. And it led to five other victories in the last nine months. Hundreds of tournaments, thousands of shots to reach it. Number one in the world. Three wins in a row for Dustin Johnson. Two straight World Golf Championships. It is very possible, or rather likely, that a specific part of your game is holding you back in the same way that Johnson's wedge game once did, albeit in greater fashion. Do you know which specific part is missing from your game? Are you sure? Are you really sure? Johnson and pros alike have shown us how a charted, analyzed, fragmented golf game can make you a better player. 
And that is exactly why the performance tracking industry exists. It is why Arcos and other similar brands exist. As 21st century golfers, we want to take as much guesswork out of the game as possible. Now, as I said earlier, one of the leading people behind Arcos is Mr. Sal Syed. He's CEO and co-founder of the company. Syed is 35, he grew up in Pakistan, and he learned the game when he was a teenager. He fell in love with it as soon as he started playing. I grew up playing tennis, and my dad is a golfer. He kept trying to convince me to get in the game. Tennis, I was running around hitting balls, and then I'd look at golf, and it looked very slow. You're there, you hit a shot, then you walk, and then you hit another shot. I'll say this, the first time I tried it, like the first two holes, I was like trying to, I'm like, okay, it's actually not that easy. But on the third hole that I ever played, I remember I hit a five iron, hit it off the sweet spot, went in the air. That was just so exciting. I was like, wow, that's the feeling that I want to repeat. And I would say I got basically hooked the first time I ever tried it. Nowadays, he lives and works in Stamford, Connecticut, and actively nurses his 0.2 handicap. For those who don't know what 0.2 handicap means, that means that Sal is an elite amateur golfer and that he scores near even par on average, maybe just a couple strokes over par. Anyone who keeps a handicap that low will tell you it takes much practice. It takes a lot of game. It takes a lot of time on the driving range. It takes a lot of time on the golf course. Sal practices a lot. He plays a lot of golf. I get about 60 to 70 18-hole rounds. That's a lot. It's a lot, but I play like twice on the weekend. In fact, when I got married with my wife, I pre-negotiated how many rounds of golf I can play a week. And I'll play if it's 20 degrees out and there's no snow on the ground. If you knew Sal really well, you'd understand that his application of numbers to the game is not surprising. He's been a bit of a math whiz since his youth. Syed enrolled early on in a Pakistani education system that is run by Cambridge. Students in the system will select a handful of subjects to study and master throughout their adolescence. At the end of 12 years, those students are tested on those subjects. And as for Syed and his advanced mathematics test, you could say it went pretty well. I ended up getting literally the best score out of anybody in the country. I don't really know what I got or they don't share the exact results. They just give you like a gold medal for like, all right, you're the best at this. As great of an achievement as that may have been, Syed was already on to bigger and better things. He attended Aitchison College in his homeland before enrolling at Ohio Wesleyan University in the middle of the Buckeye State, just north of Columbus. He would study computer science and mathematics, minoring in economics. He focused mainly on computer science and added in math because it came really easy to him. Away from the classroom, Syed was a member of the cricket team. He was also captain of the men's tennis team which presented an important connection for him. Similar to his father's club in Pakistan, this was tennis, now at an American college, somehow bringing him closer to golf? So the women's tennis team, their coach was actually cousins with Ben Curtis, who, if you remember, won the 2003 British Open. And so their family owned a golf course, and they would let me play basically for free all the time. So I played a lot of golf, and I'm still thankful to them. After graduating in 2004, Syed continued playing golf recreationally, but the game remained just a hobby for him, not a business opportunity. He tried creating a startup with his tennis coach. After about a year, that company would fizzle out and Syed continued working in medical software. He'd stay there for two years, working as a software engineer, but eventually grew anxious for the startup culture that he had once departed. Syed left Ohio, he moved on to Pittsburgh, and joined a startup called Landslide Technologies. 
It was in Pittsburgh where he met his future wife, became a diehard Steelers fan, and despite working there for multiple years and settling in on Western Pennsylvania, he was still a bit restless. So in a move that might seem out of the blue, Syed went back to school in 2010. Seven years after graduating from Ohio Wesleyan, he enrolled in business school at Yale, studying entrepreneurship. I wanted to start a company. That was my goal. I felt very comfortable with my technical capabilities, but I really didn't have much of a sense of business. I can create a product, but how do you create a business? So I felt like I needed to get an education around that. I also felt like I needed to golf a little more. Yale, obviously, is a great business school, but it's got an unbelievable golf course. It's very true. It is very true. Yale does have an unbelievable golf course. But a golf course that trumps the Ivy League business school? Who knows? But in the few minutes since you've come to understand Sal's story, does that last line really surprise you? My view of life is you should be doing stuff that you love. If I'm not doing stuff that I love, I'm wasting my time. In no way, shape, or form was I financially stable or anything like that. But uh, for me, I think financial stability is probably a byproduct of doing what you love. I knew I love the excitement of startups. I love the process of creating products that people love. And that's what I wanted to do. So at Yale, Syed and a classmate set out to create a golf company. Their first idea was to put sensors in golf balls and use those sensors to track anything and everything that they could on the golf course. That idea quickly flopped, as Sal will jovially explain, because golf balls compress. They are not as hard as you think. Sure, if they got hit in the right, or rather wrong direction, golf balls can break just about anything in their path. But the head of any golf club, with any type of speed, will crush one side of the golf ball inward toward the other side. It creates a springing effect that launches the ball off the club face. It is exactly why the design of club faces and the grooves embedded within them is so incredibly important to manufacturers. Anyway, sensors and any accompanying battery that would be within the golf ball would either be damaged in the process of contact, or they would demand a cover on the golf ball that golfers simply would not want to use. So data collecting sensors embedded within golf balls, it just wasn't going to work. Sayed and his classmate were onto something, though. They just hadn't fine-tuned the idea yet. Let me pause for one quick message from the USGA. You may know the USGA from their 14 annual championships, which are widely regarded as the ultimate test in golf. Everyone knows that. But there's more to the USGA than just golf competitions. In fact, USGA scientists are currently focusing on what they call health-of-the-game solutions, helping golf facilities reduce their reliance on water. Their innovation team has launched a resource management app that helps course superintendents better allocate their resources and ensure a better experience for golfers. That better experience is exactly what the USGA wants. That's what they want golf to be both now and in the future. That's why they're also modernizing the game's rules in conjunction with the RNA in Scotland. And with that, they want your help. Visit USGA.org to check out the list of proposed rules changes expected to go into effect January 1, 2019. There, you can share your feedback with golf's governing bodies online and try to help them with their grassroots growing of the game. And now, back to the story of Arcos. There's a tricky part to starting a business. Good ideas are often not wholly unique. If you have a great idea, someone else likely has a similarly great idea, and you might not even know about it. That other person's idea might not be as great as yours or as fine-tuned as yours, 
But what if they came up with it first? And what if they have way more money? Syed quickly found that to be the case. Equipment manufacturing giant Callaway had already been working on embedding sensors in golf equipment for the purpose of tracking player performance. Competing with a company once worth billions of dollars would have been bold, especially for a student in business school. Instead, that student used the resources around him, other golf-loving business students. He organized a golf meeting of the minds, so to say. They held it at, of all places, Bandon Dunes, which is one of the elite golf getaways in the world, located in rural western Oregon. Instead of running away from the behemoth that was Callaway, Syed invited them in. I think it was like nine other students, and the idea was basically create a business school study around the future of golf, get a conversation going around, okay, how is golf going to look different in 50 years? What's the future? What, what needs to happen now for golf to be in a better spot in 50 years than it is today? Conversations around reimagining the golf course. How can technology help? That's what I'm really passionate about, not just to the golfer's game. It's got implications to sustainability, to pace of play, to equipment production, to travel, everything. I invited Alan Hawknell from Callaway, and that's where we started talking about where Callaway sees the future and everything. And maybe six months after that golf summit, we got an email from Alan saying that Callaway is going to be focusing on golf clubs and golf balls, which was kind of the shareholder mandate, focus on your core business. And so they're going to be licensed out the technology. I was at the right place at the right time. Sayed got lucky, it's true, but the old adage rings true in this story, you make your own luck. You organize a golf summit, you invite Callaway, and when they give you a break, you take it, you run with it, you sprint with it. That's exactly what Sayed did. He had been fundraising on his own, preparing for the moment he would actually have to start spending that money. It took eight months to legally contract the licensing from Callaway, so eight more months of fundraising. This technology he was licensing was going to be a company, his company. It's obviously never that simple, though. As many companies find out, there were numerous walls to scale. The challenges are immense. Our mandate was really to detect shots automatically without disrupting a golfer's behavior. When you look at a golf club, the life of a golf club, you're putting a sensor on the top end, on the grip. You gotta detect impact at the bottom where the club face is. And then you gotta handle, I don't know, millions of different types of swings. Some people take it back really slow. It's literally the same speed of backswing. Some people take it back really fast. Some people take it fast, slow, fast. Like it's all different patterns, variables that the same algorithm, little sensor has to handle. I'm going to pause from Sal for a brief explanation. This sensor Syed's talking about, it screws into the butt of the golf club's grip and it syncs with your smartphone. It's less than a half inch in depth and weighs just 12 grams. You barely notice it's there, which speaks to part of the Arcos statement that Syed so avidly believes in. He believes the Arcos way is the most seamless way, the easiest way for users to grasp and actively integrate something into their Saturday morning round. Seamlessness, he'd learn, is easier said than done. It has to figure out, okay, when did you take a practice swing? It has to figure out, oh, you just threw that club. It wasn't a shot, which, by the way, I was um, doing a demo with Mark McCluskey, who's the editor of Wired. No, no, he's editor here now. Oh, he's editor? I didn't know he moved there. Yeah, Okay. He, carry on. This is great then. So he takes a shot. So he looked at it. He's like, okay, I get it. Next time... I think it's like third or fourth hole. He takes another shot, hits a really crappy shot, flings his club, 
And then he looks at the app and there's like two shots show up. And so at that point, we hadn't programmed the club flinging. So now literally there's an algorithm that detects when you throw a club. Thanks to Mark, we had to program that algorithm. A club flinging adjustment is just one step in the still very young story of Arcos. The company has been around for just four and a half years now, but has been relevant in the industry for much less time than that. It was a series of steps, just like any other startup, that brought the product from its infantile stage in October 2014 to where it is today. At first, there wasn't even a fully functioning GPS integration within the app. Adding features like that have almost exclusively come from interaction of beta users and the opinions of those beta users on what could be done to make it better, how this upstart golf tracking app could help them help themselves. It's a simple yet essential mindset that Sal has said multiple times during our discussion. You got to listen to the users. Well, how do people in- interact with the app? People were saying, hey, we have to use two apps now, one for distance to the green and yours for tracking. Can you just incorporate that? Initially, I didn't want to do it, uh, but they don't want to play with two separate apps doing both things. And this is something very easy for us to program. So I wanted it done in a way where it's going to be the Arcos way, which is the easiest, most seamless way. So we introduced touch interface where you can pinpoint anywhere on the map to see distances front, middle, back, or to literally any point on the course. In the two years that followed Arcos's initial launch in 2014, the company continued listening to those users and continued listening to those users and continued listening to those users. They even exist as users themselves. Syed's own mandate is that each employee at Arcos play at least one round with the app every single week. That's how you reach his 60 to 70 rounds level of golf played yearly. It's also how you log more and more and more data into the app, even as a collective unit. Now, if you're anything like me and you use this hindsight, man, it all seems so damn simple. Over time, Arcos listened to those users. They made the sensors lighter. They made the sensors aware of when clubs were being carried in a certain way, when they were being carried upside down, when they were being brought in pairs, like multiple wedges to a greenside bunker, or if they were being carried by a caddy. In 2016, Arcos rolled out its most up-to-date tracking system. It's called Arcos 360. It currently retails for $250. It's worth noting there is one drawback, and I'm using drawback in only the slightest way. But in order for the Arcos tracking system to function properly, you need to play golf with your smartphone on your person, in your pocket. Think that's a big deal? It could be. I would encourage you to use it for a round, and you'll notice it's really not a big deal. And as an aside, Arcos' tech team is currently working on fixing the phone-in-your-pocket stipulation. Within your pocket, Arcos can connect to more than 40,000 golf courses across the world. It breaks down your game into five different categories, driving, approach, chipping, sand, and putting. These are the five most standard shots in golf. There's Golf really is five games in one. When you're hitting your drive, it's a different kind of swing. You're teeing the ball up. It's a different objective. You're hitting it as far out as possible in the confines of the fairway. When you're hitting an approach shot, the onus is more on club selection. So you make the right, like, is it a five iron? Is it a six iron? I'm out of the rough. What impact will that have on my distances? Then when you are hitting a chip, it's more of a field shot. Do I hit it 20%, 30%? What club is it 54 degree or is it a gap wedge? When you're hitting it out of the sand, the terrain is different. And then when you're putting, you're rolling. So it's really like you're doing five different things in one. The first thing we want to do was help people understand. Um, Even if it's like, let's say you have an extra half hour before a round, a lot of people might just spend it putting or hitting drives. 
whereas it might be best served in terms of hitting approach shots. Maybe that's their weakness. Mind you, like, let's say in 30 minutes you can hit 50 shots. That's three rounds worth of approach shots that you just practiced, which is a lot. People don't realize, like, 15 minutes, the putting you do, maybe putting's your weakness. You took 100 putts or maybe 30, 40, 50 putts. That's still a couple of rounds worth of putting practice. So just that little bit of time that you have before the round, if you're just able to optimize that, you can improve so much quicker and faster. That was one of the reasons initially, like, okay, let's give people like high level insight into what their strengths and weaknesses are so they can figure out if they're taking a lesson, if they have an extra 15 minutes before a round, or if they're going to invest in any equipment, what should they be looking at? It's not hard when you listen to Syed to see how Arcos isn't just about figuring out your distances, figuring out where you're missing shots, or figuring out how many greens and regulation you're hitting per round. It's about breaking your game down, finding your weaknesses, knowing your strengths, quantifying both, working through both. According to the company, users have improved by three and a half strokes over 20 rounds. Is that difference in your performance wildly significant? Is three strokes over the course of maybe a year and a half all that much? It's not a ton, but it is improvement. Syed likes to assert that the average rate of improvement from Arcos golfers is far greater, something like 20 or 30 times faster than golfers who don't use the product. Will Arcos undoubtedly help you shoot lower scores? That cannot be proven. It's really up to you and how you end up using it. But will Arcos and the data within it help you understand your game better? That's a certainty. Understanding your game better, they think, will lead to you shooting better scores. Let's say you're standing on a 400-yard par 4 and you're a scratch golfer. Your expected score might be a 4.0. So on that par 4, off the tee, you're expected to par that hole, 4.0. And now if you hit a drive 300 yards down the middle, now you only got 100 yards to go, your expected score on that hole might have dropped from a 4.0 to a 3.7. So on that drive, you just gained 0.3 strokes because you hit a great drive. So you've increased the odds of you getting a birdie. And so for every shot, we're tracking what does this shot do to your expected score. And we tally it up for the course of the round. And then we turn it into a handicap or equivalent handicap. So you drove it like a 10 handicap. We drove it like a 5 handicap. That's probably the easiest way to explain it. It's You can literally calculate the value of every shot you take independent of other shots. And that's the beauty of golf. That fragmented game and using it to improve your chipping or your putting and maximize this beauty of golf, as he says... It's only part of the way data can be used. Arcos also wants to aid golfers by pushing that data into specific positions on the golf course. They've dubbed it the Arcos Course Analyzer. And as nerdy as that may seem, I want you to remember how we started this program. It was with Sal's story of a conversation with Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets. It happened earlier this year, in early March where Syed and Arcos were presenting at the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Boston. That conference is an annual assembly and who's who of analytical minds in the sports industry. In a five-person panel titled Elevate the Game, Syed detailed how Arcos wants to use all those numbers, all those personal handicaps, all those specific tendencies, and place them like a digital blanket over any golf course in the world. Recall that the app, it works on more than 40,000 courses worldwide. And so it becomes pretty clear that while we often take down numbers after the fact, after we've hit a tee shot into the rough, or after we've three putted on a green, there can actually be value in data prior to all those shots. 
The idea is to stand on the tee box as a smarter golfer than you've ever been before. I, I played college tennis and baseball, basketball, all these other sports. You're reacting to an opponent. You're reacting to something that's happening around you. So when you're training, what you're training is getting your reactions down so you, the reaction is the right decision. In golf, it's you're not reacting, you're acting. So the idea behind the course analyzer is today when you step up to the tee box, let's say I'll give you a simple example. Short par four, 345 yards, bunkers out at 240. Every time a golfer steps up to the tee, there's that thought, oh, should I hit driver? Try to get over those bunkers, crush it, then hit a 60 degree in or whatever. Or should I lay up with a three hybrid, four hybrid, five iron? If I'm going to lay up, what should I lay up with? Through machine learning and artificial intelligence, we can literally predict what your expected score is going to be based on every club that you pick. It might be based on your game, based on the weather, based on the course features. So now we're able to pinpoint, okay, where your driving landing zone is. Uh, fairway is only 23 yards wide. So you're only going to have a, let's say, 28% chance of hitting the fairway, maybe a 27% chance of ending up in the bunkers. And by the way, when you end up in the bunker, your expected score goes up to, let's say, 4.7. And so it's a very penal, based on your game, very penal miss. So your best opportunity to, is to keep those bunkers out of play. Also realize that your 7-iron is better than your 8-iron in terms of proximity to the hole. So you're better off actually picking a 4-hybrid rather than a 3-hybrid, so you're hitting a 7-iron approach in rather than 8-iron. It's going to factor all of that information in and tell you, okay, your best strategy on this hole is 4-hybrid or 3-hybrid or whatever it might be. It's going to be different for every player. It's actually going to change based on the weather. It'll also evolve based on your game because your game's not static. It's always changing. And so it's going to be, uh, I was a strategic advisor on the golf course. And our vision is to extend it out beyond that so it becomes the world's smartest caddy. This course analyzer, this caddy in your pocket of sorts, golf fans are actually more well aware of this approach than they probably know. We've seen this work on the highest level of the game. It's a great pleasure to introduce to you the 2016 Masters champion, Danny Willett. Back in 2016, Danny Willett used a pool of data relating specifically to his game and his swing to plot his strategy around Augusta National. It's a course well known as largely unchanging from year to year, unless met with the most extreme advances in golf technology. Willett used that pool of data with the help of 15th Club, which is a golf performance analysis company, to know where to aim, to know where to miss, to know how to attack this illustrious golf course that hadn't changed from the many years prior. And you know what? He ended up winning the 2016 Masters. All Arcos wants is for you to have a similar advantage when playing a course for the first, second, tenth, or a hundredth time. It could pay off. Maybe not to the extent of a green jacket. Maybe not to the extent of Dustin Johnson and his slew of PGA Tour wins over the last 12 months. But it could help you win your Sunday morning match. You could join in on golf's individual data movement. You could do it with Arcos. You could do it with any number of other wearable shot performance trackers. Or you could continue to mark your scorecards with numbers, with dots, and simple fractions. The choice is yours. Thank you to Sal Sayed. I'm glad he was able to join me and share the story of his company, its creation, and what it means to the golf world. There's an endless amount of stories like this one out there in the golf world. If you don't agree, I challenge you to attend, or at the very least, 
look into the coverage of the annual PGA show held in January in Orlando. Golf is a gigantic industry, and every year the PGA show reiterates that fact to me. I'm hoping to do many more podcasts like this one that explore businesses, their creators, so if you don't mind, please help me out. Is there a company that I'm not aware of, a great golf business, that is really pushing the envelope? Let me know. Did you like the podcast? I know it's different, but all feedback you can provide, both good and bad, will be great for me and will only improve the product. Let me know on Twitter at Sean underscore Zock. That's S-E-A-N underscore Z-A-K. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock.